Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. As you well know, this is the last chapter of the Bible. And really, this is God's final message. So, I have some questions for you as we begin the last study of this book. You go, some questions, really? Yeah, stuff I want you to ponder, to think about. Now, as I look around the room, I know some of you weren't with us for the whole time of Revelation, but here's one of my questions. Has the study of the book of Revelation changed the way you live and think? And I think that should be a good answer. Yes, it has changed the way we live, the way we think. Specifically, these last two years when we've seen our world turn upside down. Yes, I can see. I've often said that reading the book of Revelation and teaching the book of Revelation is a lot like reading the newspaper. We don't read newspapers anymore, but you guys get the point. We look on the internet and, and, and we see, we see, we get our news from that. But the point is, it's like, wow, this is, this is, this is it. Question number two, let me ask you this. Are you excited about the future? I mean, when you wake up in the morning, are you excited? Like, you know Jesus is coming again very quickly. And every morning I wake up, I think this could be it. This could be it. And then my mind quickly wraps into the day and what I have to get done and I get moving and I sometimes don't even think about it again. But we really do need to, well, continue to look up because he's coming. How about this? Does the fact that Jesus is coming soon bring dread or joy to your heart? It should bring joy, shouldn't it? We should be at the place where we're going... Let me ask you this. Are you prepared for his coming? Are you prepared? Uh, Pastor, I'm not sure what that means. Well, as we look deep in our heart, I know that we all have struggles and we all have issues and we all go through each day a little bit differently, but, but are we genuinely ready for the Lord to come back? And if you are, what does that look like in your life? Well, I'll tell you this. It might mean that you need to write some letters to people who don't believe in the Lord right now. Maybe you need to make a phone call and make peace with somebody that you've had a rift. Maybe it's a family member that, that you've just, uh, you've had crossed ways and you go, no, you know what, I don't want to be ready to go. If I want to make sure that if everything that I can do, I'm going to be at peace with. I don't know what it looks like, but are we ready? Are we ready? You go, what does that mean? Well, maybe for us, guys, it means that our tent pegs are a little bit more shallow than it's ever been. We're not worried about our houses so much. We're not worried about putting new floors. We're not worried about all of these things. We're a little bit, we're a little bit more sensitive to going, okay. Oh, I, I want to do that. And, and while I'm here, Lord, I want to honor you, but, but it's not going to be something that's going to consume me. It's not something that's going to make me I just love God. I'm ready. But it's also not going to make us lazy, is it? 
I'm not going to do anything. You haven't fixed your fence in 40 years. Well, Jesus is coming. I don't know. Or, you know, or the faucet is leaking. Oh, no, we'll just leave it because somebody else is going to fix. No, you're not lazy. We, we have to do what we need to do. But the question is, are you ready for his coming? Listen, the Bible is like a novel. The beginning of the story is filled with goodness. And then, of course, then we're introduced to evil. From chapter 3 of Genesis on, things are rocky. Things are not good until Jesus comes. Now, here's what we need to understand. In studying Matthew, guys, I don't know if you understand this, but in studying Matthew, I see all the healing properties emotionally, physically, spiritually, and he is the king of kings that he came, and he's still the same today. You see, it's not a book 2,000 years removed where we go, yeah, we studied it. It's about Jesus. He was a great man. It's like, this is what is it Jesus has. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I, we can still have, we can still walk in the authority that Christ has for us. We can cast out demons. We can walk in the authority and we can walk in his plan. But then Jesus leaves. And he promises to return. And so right now, we're at the wait and wonder. We're at the wait and wonder how the story is going to end. Now, notice with me what was ruined in the first three chapters of the Bible is now restored in the last chapter. What was ruined in the first three chapters. Now, please understand that when... Adam and Eve, and you know the story, when Adam and Eve were standing in front, I don't know where, maybe Adam was out chasing butterflies, I'm not sure where he was, but Eve is there and she's talking, she's like, and from the moment she took a bite of the forbidden fruit and then went and found her husband and said, take a bite, from that point, everything was fractured. Our lives were fractured. The world was fractured. Everything moving forward was fractured. Sin is sin, and sin separates us from a a loving and living God. But here in chapter 22, things are restored. You go, well, like what? Well, let's just review. Guys, let's review. If you're taking note, let me remind you of what has happened, okay? Because the Bible opens up in a garden, and it ends in a city with a garden-like environment. Keep that in mind. Genesis begins with heaven and earth being created. In the beginning, God created. Bara. He created out of nothing the heavens and the earth. And now it ends here in Revelation with a new heaven and a new earth. Now, let's be honest. Our finite brains are hard to comprehend what this new heaven and new earth is going to be like. Just me? I mean, we really can't grasp what that is going to. I'm just like, wow. But we know it's going to happen. We can't grasp that there is a thousand-year reign. We're going to be working for God. What am I going to be doing? Depends on your faithfulness. How faithful are you here is going to determine what God says. This is what you're going to do in the future. We see that in Genesis chapter 1, the sun was created. 
In Revelation, there is no need for sun because the Lamb and the Father provide the light. What is that going to be like? The glory of the Lord so bright that we won't need a sun. In Genesis, it says, guys, that the sea is created. In Revelation, there is no sea. In Genesis 3, God pronounces a curse on creation. Do you remember that? Well, here in Revelation 21 and 22, the curse is actually removed. Amen. So, we have a lot to cover. Um, Let me bring you up to speed on what we've covered thus far. Just kind of keep this in mind. John writes to the churches, to the seven churches, okay? Then we see all of a sudden the rapture of the church. You guys know we've talked about this before. I know that there are people out there who don't believe in a rapturus, a harpazo. They don't believe in that. They're actually preaching to their congregation that there is no rapture. I believe in the rapture of the church. I believe this is why Paul said comfort one another with these words. Because it is comforting to know that one day we're going to be harpazoed out of here. We're going to be snatched up. We're going to be gone. We're going to be with Jesus forever. That's the purpose of our lives here. To glorify God and one day look for him. The rapture is going to happen when we're out of here. You and I, we're going to be uh, in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and there's going to be food everywhere. And it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. You guys understand that, right? Now, I live and love Texas. And there's some really good food. And there's a lot of good barbecue food, and and I get all that, right? There's some good food. But every now and then when I get a chance to go back to my home state where I grew up and they have some really good food, I look forward to that. So I'm thinking in heaven, we're going to have all of our favorite foods that we grew up in. And it's going to be so good. And it's going to be so good. We're going to be eating, you know, I mean, wow, burritos covered and smothered and 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 taught. I'm making all hungry, aren't I? Stop it, I'm making you. Oh, and there's going to be beans and rice. It's going to be so good. And then whatever else you like. Tacos. You can't go wrong with tacos. For the Italians, there's going to be great fettuccine Alfredo with chicken. And the bread is... Okay, never mind. Let's get back to the study. So that's where we are. That's where we are. This is why the Lord tells us from time to time, you need to fast. You need to fast here on earth. You need to fast because it wants to, so you can can subdue the flesh and draw you closer to Jesus. Because when we get to heaven, there won't be a fast because we'll be with our bridegroom. So I know there's going to be a lot of food. I know there's going to be a lot of food. The problem that I have is not that I'm eating a bunch of food in heaven because there's no calories. I want you to know that. Okay, we don't have to worry about weight or anything. It's just going to be good. It's going to be good. There's going to be good music up there. All this stuff, I'm telling you, is going to be great. The problem is that what's going on down here on earth. Seven years 
of all hell breaking loose. And even though my loving God is, is sequentially putting out judgments to try to bring people to, to Christ, it's still going to be a mess. It's still going to be a mess. I don't know if you realize this, but we're in a famine right now. You go, we're not. We can't get food into the grocery stores. And every week that I go to the grocery store, I notice there's all, I, I even sent a picture to Nathalie. Every, there's some shelves that are completely empty. And I have never seen that before. Now, you can probably go to different grocery stores and get everything you need. You can go here, you can go shop there, you can go there. But I'm, it, it, I'm just like, wow. But it's just a small taste of what the earth is going to go through. It's just a small taste. I don't know what the weather is going to be like in those seven years, but I was talking to somebody the other day, and I don't know, maybe some of you can correct me on this, but the farmer's almanac says this is going to be one of the coldest winters we've ever had. I hope not. I don't like a cold winter. But are we ready? Are we prepared? But... What's going on here is just going to be unbelievably worse. Well, for seven years we're in we're in heaven. But in order to be saved, now look at me, because you might be watching this way after we're gone. Look at me. The only way to be saved during the tribulation is to give your life to Jesus and then to lose your life. They'll kill you. Don't take the mark. Don't worship the beast. I don't care what it takes. And then last week, as we continue in chapter 21, we saw where the Lord was going to make a new heaven and a new earth after the millennium. So a thousand years, we're reigning and ruling Christ in Jerusalem. Probably, honestly, how privileged are we to accept the Lord here and then, and then work for the Lord for a thousand years? How privileged are we? But after, after a thousand years, we see a new heaven and a new earth. Chapter 22, the first five verses, is really a continuation of the same theme. Take a look with me now. Let's, let's read the first five verses and we'll come back. It says, And John is still writing, he said, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its streets and on the other side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and the servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. The, the need, they need no lamp nor light, for the Lord gives them the light, and they shall reign forever and ever. That's what it says. Let's stop right there. What does he see? This is still an amazing thing. This is still an amazing thing. 
He says, look, look what he sees. He says, man, I see a river of life flowing from the throne. A river of life flowing. And he says, it's a pure river. It's, it's clear as crystal. And it's coming. And it's coming. And he goes, and alongside the river, I see a tree. What's it called? If you're taking note, jot this down. It's the tree of life. It's the tree of life. You go, okay. Now, what you need to understand is it has been a long time since man has seen this tree. The first time we're introduced to the tree of life was way back in the garden. This is the first time. And it was the tree. This was the main tree in the garden. It was the tree of life. It's been said by me, But the Bible is a tale of three trees. You go, really? Do tell. Well, you have there the tree of life, which is exactly what it says. It's a tree that gives life. And in the same garden was another tree. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was in the garden. The tree of the knowledge. Now, both these trees stood in the garden Both of these trees were there in the Garden of Eden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do you remember? It was said, man, you are forbidden to eat of that tree. Don't eat of that tree. Well, I find it a very interesting name. You go, what is it? It's the tree of knowledge. Because the Bible tells us that knowledge just puffs up and love builds up. Love builds up knowledge, but it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so Satan comes, and he starts talking to the woman. Now, let this be a lesson to women. Women, don't talk to snakes, okay? Don't talk to snakes. That's the good rule of thumb right there. Yeah, my first husband was... No, I'm not saying about that. Okay, so don't, don't say that. But there are some guys that are snakes. They really are. And you go, how so? They're manipulative. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we won't go there. That's, that's for another sermon. But she's talking, and do you remember what the snake said? Eve, listen, here's this fruit. Check it out. It's wonderful. And it's going to make you like God. No, 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 not like God, to be like God. You see, God's holding out on you, Alex. God's holding out. And listen, if he, was, if he really loved you, And isn't that the same thing he tells us? If God really loved you, he would show you, he would tell you, you wouldn't feel depressed, you wouldn't, you, all of these emotions, if God really loved you. And that's the same thing he used back, hey, Eve, Eve, Eve. And she's like, and let me just say this too. When it comes to forbidden fruit, that's the thing we want. It always is. It's the thing you can't have is the thing that drives, I want it. I want it. I want that. Can't have it. Can't have it. Eve, yes. You're going to be like God. Take it. And so what happens? Both of them ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And consequently, what happens is they could not eat of the tree of life after that, could they? Because once they sinned, if they would eat, then they would live forever in a broken state, in a withering... Can can you imagine living forever, but your body continues to deteriorate year after year after year after year? That's just not... That's not mercy, is it? 
And so God says, no, 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 listen, I love you so much, even though you sinned, you can't eat of this tree. You guys got to go. You have to go. If you don't go, you will try desperately to get back to the tree of life. Now, is it not when we sin, help me, church, is it not when we sin and we get caught, that's when we're repenting. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. I think of the 12 spies. I think, I think when they came back from checking out the land, you guys remember, Moses sends in the 12 spies and they come back and they're like, we can't do anything. They're giant. You know, and they're just everything, right? Except, except Joshua and Caleb, right? But the rest of them were like, they're big. We got, we're going to die out here. Why did you bring us Moses? And then Moses says, listen, this is not the will of God. This is what God says. Do you remember what they did? They tried to go back in on themselves. We're sorry. We've sinned. And God's like, no. That's how we are. That's how we are. If I could encourage you at all in our walks with God as you open up the scriptures every single day that you would see yourself in the scripture so you can make those necessary changes. In reading the one-year Bible, we read about to the pure, all things are pure, but to the unpure, then it goes on to talk about, please don't be, please don't call yourself a Christian and act like there is no God, basically, I'm paraphrasing. But where I want to see myself is, Lord, help me not to do this. I don't want to go, well, I'm pure, I got this down, Ooh, watch me, I'm a pastor of a church. I'm going, Lord, I, I don't want to misrepresent you. I don't want to say I'm a believer and act totally opposite of what your word says. I don't want to do that. So we're having a men's night tomorrow night. And I called, uh, called Brother Joseph said, hey, let's see if the barbecue grill works and we'll get it all ready to cleaned up, ready to go. Well, it didn't work. So I'm going, okay, well, we can always use mine, but I went over to Home Depot to see if, if they had any ones on sale so we can have. And they're getting ready for Christmas. And I wish I had to put it on the screen. I didn't have time to put it on the screen. But they have they have a gesture. It's, 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 it's the Halloween theme. It's a court gesture, right? But he's, he has a mask right here, and he's ugly. But he has a mask that's not. I went like this. And I said... This is a perfect description of what a hypocrite is. This is exactly what the Bible says. You put on a mask. And inside he's, and I'm going, that's what we got to be careful on, church. That's how we got to be careful. We got to let the scriptures read us so that we're not going, look at me. But inside we're not living like there's a God at all. And we're angry. And we're angry. So the Lord says, Adam, Eve, you can't, you can't eat that, that tree of life anymore. You can't. So somehow we see the, the tree of life being, well, it's being transplanted. Where? It's now in the New Jerusalem. Isn't that cool? All who are in the city can eat freely. That's going to be us. 
I was thinking about the fruit that this, this, this tree produces. I was thinking about the Now, the leaves, we'll talk about that in a second, but can you imagine the fruit? And I can imagine there's just, there's sometimes you get some really good fruit, and sometimes you go, oh, <laughs> what was that? This fruit's going to be so good every month. You go, well, Ben, you said there was a third tree. How can everybody in the city of the New Jerusalem eat? Well, it's really because of the third tree, and you guys are so smart. You know what the third tree was, right? It was the cross. That was the third tree. It was the cross that our Savior hung for you and me. That was the third tree. When Jesus came and said, hey, What you need to understand, and you get nothing else out of this Bible study tonight, please understand that you're worth it. You're worth it. Throughout Scripture, many times the Lord could have said, that's it. I mean, he, he even did one time. You understand that. He kept Moses in the family, but the rest was wiped out. I mean, but, but after that, he said, Mm-mm, you're worth it. I'm going to send my son to die on the cross so that you can be reconciled. Guys, we have to hold that. That, that, is, that, should be just, that should be our heartbeat. You understand the cross, the fact that Jesus died for me. That shows your worth, your worth to everyone in the world. For me? Yeah, for you. He died for you. Yeah, but I don't deserve it exactly. His love is so perfect that he looked and he said, I'm going to save him. All they're going to do is going to have to open up their heart and they're going to have to invite me and believe in me. And believe in me. Church, tell me what happens when man gets a hold of something. They, they break it, don't they? All we have to do is put our faith and trust in Jesus, invite him in, let him work in our lives, and we'll see great and amazing things. But if we get our hands on it, we can corrupt it. Well, you see, I've got to work. I've got to do stuff. You go, Ben, you also said about healing leaves. Um, question. Uh, but in New Jerusalem, is there going to be any sickness? Is there going to be a sickness? Well, here's what I want you to do. Look at your Bibles. Because the word for healing right there is the Greek word therapia, therapia, from which we get our word therapy or therapeutic. And it speaks not of healing, but of maintaining of health. It speaks of being invigorated, exhilarated, and the leaves of the tree and its fruit. That's what I love. How cool is that? Can you imagine the infomercial? Feeling a little run down? Feeling a little bit tired? Well, you can have the tree of life. All you have to do is go to the tree. Here you go. Ah, let's go. I'm ready. I feel good. I feel good. What are you doing today? We're going to go work out, right, self? We're going to go, we're going to lift weights. Well, hold on. Let me stop by the tree of life. Need to get a leaf. Need to get a leaf. Get, get, get some good weights lifting out there. Yeah. That's what it means. That's what it means. There is no sickness there, guys. There won't be people, oh, I got the flu. Oh, I, 
diabetes gone. Amen. Right? All of that stuff, just, just amazing. And I love what he says in verse 3. He says, no more, there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants, who's that? Are going to serve him, right? And, and, here's what, and we're going to see his face. And his name shall be on our forehead. Everybody see that? We're going to have his name on the forehead. The Antichrist, the Antichrist. Where is he going to put the mark? Right hand or? Because he, he wants to copy the Lord. I'm going to have the name of the Lord right here. I have that, yeah. I get to see God face to face. How many of us long to see God face to face even now? I mean, think of Moses, right? Moses is like, Lord, show me your glory. He's like, Mo, if I showed you that, you'd die on the spot. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide you, and then I'm going to walk by, and you're going to see my backside. But we're going to get to see him face to face. It's going to be so cool. This is what he says. This is what he says. There won't be any night there. I don't think we'll sleep. I don't think we'll need to sleep. Eva, you tired? Go have a leaf. Rosa, you tired? Go get a fruit. <laughs> Let's go. But I don't know. I think time's going to be different, is it not? We live on 24-hour time here, and, you know, but it's, this is different. This is a new heaven, a new earth. We're just, this is going to be good. What do you think we're going to do, Mel? You're going to play guitar all day long and worship the Lord? How cool would that be? I'm going over to Mel's house. Yeah, he's like, watch this, Ben. Just this for a little. Mel, don't you get tired? Mm-mm, give me another leaf. I'm good. Mm. Mm. We won't need the sun. You guys know that. And they shall reign. How long, guys? Forever and ever. Forever and ever. What are you saying? Forever. Forever, right? So now we change directions. This is the last message of the Bible because it ends in a promise and a prayer. Here's the last message, picking it up in verse 6. Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Verse 7, behold, I'm coming, help me guys, quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. Now, jot this down. Three times in chapter, in this chapter, verse 7, verse 12, and verse 20, Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. But you would look at me and you go, Ben, uh, it's been 2,000 years. I'm not sure what the word quickly means. Maybe the Lord doesn't believe in quickly. No, 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 no. We have to break it down. We have to do some work. Um, we need to understand that the word quickly doesn't mean a shortness of time because it's been 2,000 years. Now, I've heard some people go, well, you know, the Bible says a day is like a, th- a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day, so he's only been gone two days. Well, it's still 2,000 years for me. Here's what it refers to. It refers to how rapidly something is going to take place. How rapidly. Shortly takes place. Shortly here, like in verse 6, it says, 
Notice, notice six again. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord God, holy prophets and his angels and his servants, the things which must, that's a different word. That's shortly. And that's uh, tachii, and it's where we get the, the tachometer acceleration. This is going to happen. Now, what he means by this is when the first prophetic events happens, which begins with the rapture of the church, and the events leading up to the return are going to happen very rapidly. Very rapidly, speedily or suddenly. When these things begin to happen, they're going to just boom in rapid succession, rapid succession. And you can kind of picture in your mind like dominoes. That's what it means. It's just, it's just going to happen. So when Jesus says, behold, I come quickly, we can understand it to mean that once these things begin to happen, his return to the earth will occur speedily. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. He says, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. Now, I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down. What did he do, guys? To worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Here's what I want you to notice. If you get nothing else, it says, we, first and foremost, are created to worship. That's how God made us. He made us to worship. The first thing John does is he goes, ah, and he falls down and he's worshiping the angel. And the angel's like, ah, 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 get up, get up, don't worship me. Who should we worship? God. Who should we worship? Who should we worship? Guys, that's everything in us should worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Everything in us. He says, don't worship me. We shouldn't worship our spouse. We shouldn't worship relationships. We shouldn't worship football teams. We shouldn't worship anything like that. We should only worship God. Oh, well, well, Pastor, I got a question. So worship means like when we come in and sing, I'm talking about worship your whole life. Your whole life. We should not be different at church than we are at work, than we are at home, then we are at the grocery store, then we are anywhere else. We should always have the mind of God worshiping the Lord. What does that mean? What does that mean? If your boss expects you to do eight hours of work, you better do eight hours of work. We represent something higher, church. We should not let, I mean, because here's why. If you call yourself a Christian and you're constantly taking breaks and you're constantly um, doing this and doing that, and the boss comes and says, man, I have to get on to you. It's not you anymore. You're representing God. And how many times do I don't want our boss to go, oh, man, hire Christians? <laughs> not even. They should be going, no, I'm looking for Christians because they are they have integrity and they'll work. Isn't that what the scripture said today? Isn't that what the scripture said today? It said, hey, 
Do your job. Do your job. Yeah, but my boss is going to get rich and I'm still going to get poor. You're already rich. You represent God. You represent God. We have the wrong mindset. We can't get into the culture church where we're going, well, they, they owe me. They don't owe you anything. We work for them, but we honor God. We have to do that. We have to do that. Let them see a light in our jobs. Let them see a light. Just you work hard. You put your, you just do. Man, praise God. Oh, well, Jimmy got a, Jimmy got a, 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 a promotion before I did. Just keep working. God's not done with you yet. Well, I was supposed to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Who are we worshiping? Worshiping God. We're worshiping God. Listen, the one thing, and, and you should hear her testimony, when Nathalie got cancer, the one thing that she cried out to God was not to misrepresent him. That's easy for us to do. And nobody would have blamed her. Oh, well, listen, you're going through a really bad time. You got cancer, chemo. I don't know. I, you know what? I understand if you want to just. No. She said, I don't want to misrepresent God. I don't want to misrepresent God. But we have to look deep in our hearts, church, and go, How? I don't want to misrepresent him in any of my walks, any of my, anything. I don't want the enemy to look and go, oh, that's what a Christian is. <laughs> Whoa, okay, okay. I don't want anybody to Jesus that way. I want people to look at my life and go, wow, there's something different. And I am not saying that Christians are boring. We're not boring. We have fun. We like to laugh. I mean, we're normal people. But we don't want to misrepresent God. Where? In our relationships, at work, wherever we are. Boy, it got real quiet in here. Can I get an amen on that? So he says, okay, worship God, worship God. The angel says, worship God. Look at verse 11. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. And you're going, wow, why would the Lord put that there? Well, this is interesting. If you want to remain unjust after studying this book, the Lord's like, okay. Okay. What we need to understand is God is so loving, okay, he's never going to force himself on man. He's never going to force himself. He says, listen, if you want to stay after studying, after coming, I mean, we've had friends that, and, and we've, we've taken them to church. We've taken them to church. They've heard good messages. I mean, there's some messages like, man, that was for you. I was serious. That was, and there's no response. There's no response. And they want to go and they want to continue to live their life. They want to continue to live their life apart from God. Here's the thing. The Lord says, listen, if they want to stay that way, they're going to stay that way. The Lord says, if you want to continue in your filth, that's your, that's your option. It's okay. But you know the consequences. The 
such a neat time in studying this book. It's very challenging. It's refreshing. It's sobering. But really, this should be a time for many to get more serious with, about the Lord, about serving, about evangelism. Listen, when Jesus said, the harvest is ripe, it's ready now. It's ready. Listen, church, I beg you to please don't get so... There are many people in Lubbock, Texas, believe it or not, who are hurting and broken and don't know Jesus. Well, let's be careful. Let's be careful. We don't go, well, you know, I think the people I hang around with are all saved and it's good. There's a lot of people. And if we'll just, and, 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 and that's going to happen. That's going to happen tomorrow night as the Lord draws men. That's going to happen Saturday night. And he says, listen, I choose to use you guys I choose to use you. I posted on Facebook. I posted on Facebook our outreach. And of course, I got a comment. I always get comments. I got a comment. Isn't Halloween, blah, blah, blah. And yes, Halloween is evil. It's, 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 yeah, it's horrible. It's demonic. But I want to take what the enemy means for evil. I want to flip it on his head, and I want to see what God can do. Here's why. People are going to do it anyway. I mean, I could make a stand and go, we're not. Close the door and don't give kids candy and just. And you know what I found? I found 80 to 90% of the American church are still going to celebrate this holiday. So let's turn it around and say, okay, how can we praise Jesus in this? How do we know? Rosa, Rosa who came through here one year, remembered our church, and now is a part of our church. When it gets bad, where are people going to come? That's what I'm talking about. It's outreach. It's outreach. But we're serving. We're serving. It's about evangelism. We need to tell people about Jesus. Verse 12 says, And behold, I'm coming quickly, he says. My reward is with me. And to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into this city. The Lord's like, I am the beginning and the end. I am all of it. I encompass everything. I'm coming quickly. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm coming quickly. Here's what you need to understand. Remember, chronologically, we got to remember that sometimes John is writing back and forth. He's not necessarily putting things because, because according to chapter 21, we're already, where? We're already in, in the new city. Why would you come, Lord, if that? No, he's reminding us. Okay. Boom. He's going back and forth. He's, he's switching from this channel over to this channel. Okay. We're here. Here, here. Whoa. No more heaven. Whoa. No, no, no more sun and no sea. This is amazing. God's glory. Then he goes, Oh, by the way, I'm coming quickly. So when this stuff happens, you got to be ready. Got to be ready. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And then he throws us for a Look at verse 15. He throws us for a loop. You go, why? He says, but outside are dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murder and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. And you're going, whoa, 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 whoa. This is chapter 22. What are we talking about? Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that within the city of, of, of the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem, there's going to be, there's going to be evil people on the outside? That's not what it means. That's not what it means. 
We shouldn't think, guys, that the outside walls of heaven's multitudes are throngs of people. Got me in! Let me in! That's not what it's about. Let me give you this. It does not appear that John is speaking chronologically. You understand that? He's flipping back and forth. But he's speaking in principle. Everybody say principle. Why? Because if you recall... All those who have not accepted Jesus last week were already thrown where? Into the lake of fire. That's already passed. You're like, yeah. So what's the principle? You ready? Not everyone is going to heaven. Oh, how I wish that wasn't true. How I wish that everyone who took their final breath on earth would go to heaven. But it appears to me that through Scripture, there are, not, there are people who are not going to go there. And some of us go, yeah, based on our last 10 months, there are a lot of people who are not going to go there. <laughs> not everyone's going to heaven. I was talking to a fellow the other day, came, came by my house, um, just, I was cleaning out the garage and he came in and he asked me what I did for a living and, because he's a tree trimmer, he wanted to give me an estimate. He asked me what I did and I said, well, I'm a pastor at a local church. He goes, oh, okay, cool, that's neat. And he was telling me about how he went to seminary and everything. I said, you know what, you know what my job is? My job really is to depopulate hell and to populate heaven. That's just tell people about Jesus. To depopulate hell. I want everyone to go to heaven. I want everyone to get saved. That's the gifting God put in me when I was young. I want to see everybody saved. Not everybody's going to go to heaven. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify these things to the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Let him who thirsts come, whoever desires. Let him take of the water of life freely. This is the message from the Lord. The invitation is to come is given to what? A world that is dying and in darkness. That is the invitation that we need to give. The spirit and the bride say, come. 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 Think about it. Think about it, church. In Scripture, there has always been a call to come. For example, in Isaiah chapter 1, the Lord declares to his people, it says, the donkey knows its owners and the ox knows its masters, but my people don't know their God. The donkey knows the owner. The ox knows the master. And the Lord says, but my people don't know God. And then later on, later on, he goes on to describe how the nation is plagued because of the rebellion. But in verse 18, he says this, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. 
Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They are red like crimson, they shall be wool. Wow, that's a great place for an amen. He knows us and he says, come, let us reason together. Let us reason together. Think about this. What did they have to reason about? What, What was the reasoning? Well, number one, here are the facts. He says, you're sick, but I'm the doctor who can make you well. You're full of sin and rebellion. He says, I am holy and just. You've turned your back on me, but I will give you my back to be beaten. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Like crimson, they shall be as wool. It goes on in the last few verses in verse 18. For I testify to everyone who hears these words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone, what is that church, adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are in this, that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of, this, of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in the book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Even so. We're about to close, but let me let me just go back. Let me just let's do some work for here. Just a minute, just a minute, I promise. He says, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. This is another uh, section at the end of the book of Revelation where it's hard to tell exactly who speaks. In most red letter edition, these words are in black indicating that the translators believe this is not the words of Jesus, but there are many good reasons to believe that Jesus gave this warning. If anyone adds or if anyone takes away, you go, Ben, what does that mean exactly? It means that there's a high price to pay for tampering with the book of Revelation specifically and really the scriptures in general. You need to be careful. And then he closes with a promise and a prayer. What does he say? He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming quickly. We say, amen. Even so, Lord even even so, come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. He's coming quickly. The last two years has proven that he's coming quickly. The last two years have proven that, that we're, we're right there. So what should we do? What should we do? Well, we finished the book of Revelation, and it should do a few things to us. First of all, we're blessed being able to go through this. We're blessed. Um, things, will, things will change so fast in our world that it's probably a good chance to read it over and over again. We might have to study it again pretty soon. But we know this. We know If anything, the book of Revelation has showed me this, that God is merciful. He's merciful. And although there's seals and, and you know, horses and plagues and, and fish dying and 
mountains and the earthquakes and all of that stuff, it, the Lord is always giving people an opportunity to come to know him. Church, that's why you're here. That's why you're here, so you can learn and grow. And then we stand ready, growth going, God, will you use me? Will you use me? And then he gives you opportunities to be used. And it doesn't end. And what happens is we get hungrier and hungrier for his word. And I think our prayer should be, Lord, give me, give me a, a, a deeper hunger for your word. I want to know it. Give me a deeper hunger. Lord, help me to turn off the TV from time to time or put away YouTube for a while or not look at social media. Give me a hunger for your word. That stuff's all going to go away. It's all going to go bye-bye. It doesn't mean anything. And I'm not saying you can't watch TV. Oh, the church and the pastor said I can't watch TV. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is pray for a deeper hunger for God's word, a deeper hunger to, to know him. Ben, I got a question for you. What if the Lord doesn't come back for another 10, 15 years? Man, can you imagine how awesome those 10 or 15 years will be in your life, serving the King of Kings? Because listen, church, it's a privilege to serve the Lord. It's a privilege. It's an honor. We're humbled that he would even use us. You go, wow. Well, Ben, what if I make mistakes? Quickly repent. Come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I misrepresented you. I'm so sorry. So where do we go from here? Next week. Next week, we see. We see a heart devoted to God. I'm excited. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the book of Revelation. We thank you, Lord, that, um, wow, we've finished every single verse, Lord. And we do say, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But Lord, if I'm being honest, there's a lot of people that still need to hear And there's a lot of people that need to repent. And you've chosen the foolish things like us to, to just blow away the wise. And we share scripture. Lord Jesus, I attended a funeral last week. And it reminded me the brevity of life. And it reminded me that none of us are promised tomorrow. And so I would pray, Lord Jesus, that we would, we would honor you today and, and that our lives would count for your honor and your glory. That we would surrender to you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord, so much. 
We surrender to you right now. Our hearts, our minds, our lives, we surrender to you. You are good. You are good. You are good, O oh Lord. We're ready for the next chapter of our lives. May you be glorified every step of the way. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. Listen to this song, guys. Listen to it. It's so beautiful. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.